Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. I've been poor my whole life. So were my parents, their parents before them. It's like a disease passing from one generation to generation. It becomes a sickness. That's what it is. It infects every person you know. But not my boys. Not anymore. This is theirs now. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Hail or High Water. Beware. Spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Howdy. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Evening. Evening. I like that. Why'd you look at me that way when I said the name of the movie? Because you did it in your little Western twang, (laughs) which sounded really hokey. (laughs) All right, how about this? Tonight's episode, Hell or High Water. I did it again. You still had a little time. All right, hang on. on, A little bit of hell. I think it works. Tonight's episode, Hell or High Water. Yeah, there you go. Is that... English or American. Well, fuck, I guess it's all English and American. So This was my pick. This was my Western pick. Why'd you pick it? I picked it because I hadn't seen it, and I knew that you guys hadn't seen it either. And I wanted a movie that was uh, a Western that was within the last couple of years. And I also wanted a movie that was streamable for free. Well, knowing that we have Hulu. I realize you didn't get to do that, Mr. Trujillo, so sad. But at the same time, I, I felt good about the pick because I have heard good things about the movie. Uh, you don't normally like Westerns. No, I actually am not a huge fan of Westerns at all. How many Westerns have you seen? Yeah, name name one or two other Westerns that you've seen before. Just any. Yeah, any. just off the top of your head. Tombstone. Wyatt Earp. <laughs> Okay. Actually, I don't know if I've seen White Earth. Okay, but you, um, but you saw Tombstone because of us. But before that, uh, I can think of a few that I've seen. I've seen. So, the, so, I've, I've actually seen the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Okay, there I'm you a go. Fan of that one. Uh-huh. I have seen both versions of the Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I actually kind of liked the new one. Yeah, the new one was fun. Yeah, new so, and I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the the original though. But you know, if you want to get real and get deep into real westerns. You got to watch the Young Gun series. Oh, without a doubt. Emilio Estevez and company. Yeah. And Billy bon, the Kid. Bon Jovi with a cameo as a bad guy. Uh, he was in the second one. I know he did the song for the second one. Yeah. He also got killed like real quick in the second one. Oh, did he? Yeah. Sad face. I'm shocked I didn't know that. Yeah. It's because it's not an importantly or significant movie of any of any measure i have also seen how dare you sir another probably the greatest western ever made but i put it in the helmet so Wait i don't want to say so, what it is okay so somebody enough. who doesn't like westerns doesn't know any westerns 
and now you're just going ahead and just throwing out there the greatest western ever made. I didn't say I, you know, it's my favorite movie out there. I'm just saying it's the greatest western ever made. Based to on, him. based on, based, based on, based on reality. Wow. Okay. I, and, and you know what? I have an inkling, given his young gun comment. I think I might know what it is. Oh God! I I loathe the thought of what it, it could is be. Is not what Cowboys versus Aliens. It's not that movie. Oh well, then I'm out. No, I really think I know what it is. Um, I have a guess too, based on you know what he says. Other people say. Yeah. So, uh, talking or speaking of Western, what makes a Western a Western? This is a really compelling question. It's interesting to think about that. John, do you have any thoughts on what makes a Western a Western? You know, I actually had to look that up because... Oh, okay, but before that, I'm bef- not, I'm, before you looked it up. Well, I'm going to go into it, Mr. Professor. My, I was thinking about that exact comment is, you know, this is a 2016 movie. It takes place current times. It's dealing with banks and institutions and bank robberies, things like that. You know, there's no stagecoaches. There's some horses, things like that, but... Yeah, I kept thinking, what does making art is just because they're in Texas and they wear cowboy hats? Is that what makes it a Western? But then I realized it has to do with kind of the demise of society, you know, the person struggling against the machine kind of thing, you know, struggling against time, the times. So it, you know, it had its Western feel. Mm. What do you think? What makes a Western? Um, you know, it's funny because I too was thinking about that and for me it i always equated westerns with uh texas yeah new mexico mexico things like that only because uh i used to watch westerns uh with my grandpa long time ago you know the john wayne flicks and so that's what i've always equated it to and as i got older i could see how things were a modern day western or i could see how um, a science fiction movie could be a space western and it is the theme it's the element and i didn't i couldn't really put my finger on it until uh until tonight when you gave me the definition yeah so, I, I was looking at that the definition from the american film institute defines it as a set in the american west that embodies the spirit struggle and demise of a new frontier so I kind of do get, you know, it does fit all those categories. What do you think, Professor? What defines a Western for you? So, you know, you have your classic Western, you have your cowboys, you have your uh, bandits or outlaws, uh, sheriffs, your Native Americans, and and it's typically in the uh, 1850s to early 1900s, somewhere in there. And you also have uh, the frontier uh, it's it's of the wilderness, and that's what I had always been used to. You know, you have horses and cowboy hats and all that, but what makes a Western a Western for a contemporary setting? You know, every once in a while you hear, you know, that, you know, like No Country for Old Men. That's a, that, that's a Western. And so that got me thinking about it. What makes a Western a Western? Especially for a modern setting. Hell or High Water is a modern setting. And so... In general, I think that there's a couple of themes that have to be revealed throughout the movie. One, you have a sense of lawlessness. There is the frontier justice, if you will, that you are on your own when it comes to handling or what is fair or just. Another setting uh, is the backdrop of it. It is you're on your own. You are out 
in sparse, desolate areas. It is it is you versus the elements, and if something goes awry or bad and you need the law, it is not represented. It is you left to your own devices, and you're on your own. And there's also a, a third setting, or, or a third thing that I also think is also important. It is um, the characters are searching and demand for justice. They really are wanting to be what's fair and right. And they are driven by this point. And because of that that drive, it also goes hand in hand that these characters, that there is some sort of remorse that happens in their life, that they are they are tortured or they are they're broken and they are are flawed characters. And the modern Western doesn't have to have cowboy hats and horses and sheriffs, but that is certainly a common theme that is shown in several movies. But for the most part, you know, you don't have SWAT teams showing up. You have one sheriff or two, and it's just you on your own. And so I, I think that Hell or High Water definitely shows that it is a modern Western, and we'll talk more about that as we well, move through. Let me ask you this question. A while back, we watched a movie called Wind River, mm-hmm. which I believe it takes place in Alaska, mm-hmm. out in the tundra, uh, almost fits the exact definition that you described. You know, lawlessness, people searching search justice. It's kind of a sparse, desolate, desolate area. Would you say that's a Western as well? Absolutely. What do you think, Don? Well, according to the American Film Institute, uh, it's set in the American West. So I'm going to say no. Okay. Well, how about this? Do you know who wrote Wind River? The same guy who wrote this or directed this, one of the two. Yes. He's known for which one is it? Taylor Sheridan wrote Sicario, and then he wrote Hell or High Water, and then after this, he wrote Wind River. Interesting. Makes sense. It is a very similar, both movies kind of had a similar feel. Very, very, very much so. In the dialogue, I think. And that, that is another element that I think propels and works well in a Western genre, in a contemporary setting, that it is not cut and dried with good guys and bad guys, right and wrong. These are characters that are richly developed, and we are able to see these characters, warts and all, for better or for worse, and yet we still move through the movie, still tugging and pulling for these characters, even though they are lawless, they are vigilantes, if you will, dealing their own, dispensing their own justice. Well, that brings up a great point, and something we were kind of discussing a little bit before the podcast is most movies, you have your hero and you have your villain. You have your good guy, you have your bad guy. In this movie, we have the two brothers who are trying to right a wrong, which is the bank stealing their property and taking advantage of their mother who passed away. You have the two police officers one retiring, one kind of continuing on, and they're just doing their jobs, they're doing their duty. And you have the bank institution that took advantage, you know, their t- people took advantage of the mother and got them in this whole situation, but they're a corporate entity. So really, in this movie, who's the heroes and who's the bad guys? Well, that is a very complex question, uh, John, because... In this type of movie and the way the story kind of unfolds, you're, you're drawn to certain characters. You're either going to be drawn to one side or the other. 
you can be sympathetic for Chris Pine's character uh, because he doesn't want to lose the ranch. He's got boys. He's trying to be better, but he can only turn to robbing banks. Last time I checked, it was still illegal. Yes or no? Yes, but they're also I did, no, 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 he's only robbing the banks of the people who stole the money from oh, him. So that makes it legal. Okay, well, good was, to know. Was Robin Hood the villain? What, what? He was breaking the law. He was was he the bad guy? Was he yeah. still doing criminal activities? Yeah. I mean, he That's the thing. I mean, it almost seems like they as he put it, they're righting the wrong. Yeah, illegally. Well, yes or no? It is illegal, and I okay. agree with you. Okay, but thank you. but not that's, every bad guy is a is a lawful. I didn't I, did, I didn't say they were the bad guys. Yeah. I just said that they were they're still breaking he, the law. He was still he was he's he's this guy who you 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 sympathize for him is mm-hmm. what I was saying. Do to you, define who the good or bad guy in this film, I think it is really up to the viewer. Did your opinion change? And I, I kind of I was struggling with this a bit in the movie. Is in the beginning nobody's getting hurt. They're getting you know they're scaring some people here and there. Nobody's getting hurt. On their last bank job, people got killed. Mm-hmm. So. Did that change them from being just these good guys who are going out trying to right a wrong to now people are getting innocent people are getting killed? Why are you calling them the good guys? Because I do feel like they were modern day Robin Hoods. They were going against the institution. They were trying to fight back. So okay, and you know their their mom was basically okay, taking okay, advantage okay, of, okay. So. okay. So if they're the modern day Robin Hoods, when Robin Hood got attacked by the English guards or Prince John's guards or whatever, whatever story you want to follow. And he had to fire back and kill them, them, uh, kill or be killed. Right. That's a good point. It's the same thing here. Yeah. So did, did it change for me or did, did my feeling towards them change? No, this movie was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. What about you? I didn't know what to expect out of the story. The story, uh, moved in a very slow southern drawl sort of way and what i mean by that is the story so line, western <laughs> the story is it, it we get little bits of it at a time okay we see that it opens with a bank robbery and the bank robbery turns out to be more than what we initially thought and we come to find out a little bit later that there's a reason that they are hitting particular banks and then it goes a little bit further that there actually is a plan, a specific plan. And so having this story, you know, just it comes out a little bit at a time. I really enjoyed having the story unfold in that way. It was a a, a richer story because of that. All right. So this film, Hell or High Water, was released on August 12th, 2016, directed by David McKenzie, written by Taylor Sheridan. And it stars Jeff Bridges, Chris Pine, Ben Foster, and Gil Birmingham. A divorced father and his ex-con older brother resort to a desperate scheme in order to save their family's ranch in West Texas. Made for $12 million, turned around and made $37.9 million at the box office. It was also nominated for... One, two, three, four Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor in Jeff Bridges, uh, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. Did it win any of those? No. Oh. Now, compared to other Jeff Bridges movies, we've watched a few. Uh, I thought he did a great job in this movie. Oh, Jeff Bridges is always great in my book. He was a delight in this movie. He, He played that character so well. I feel like that's him or, or a side of him. You know what I mean? I can see Jeff Bridges being that way. Yeah, I 
I was totally taken in by the character thinking, okay, here's this old sheriff that's ready to retire. And he's a Texas Ranger. Well, Texas Ranger. And he, I mean, they're setting up that he's going to go out in this blaze of glory. And that's how he wants to go out. This is his last one. He's dragging it on as long as he can. And he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. I didn't see him going out in a blaze of glory. No. Well, he even said it a couple times. Well, That's he, how he wanted to go out. Well, he, he says that... Uh, he, he's worried about sitting on the rocking chair and just, you know, wasting away. Yeah, and he says may, he says if, if they get lucky, these robbers will want to have a gunfight and he'll go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's kind of preparing himself or mm-hmm. maybe he'd like to see him go uh, himself go out there, but you're right, Ken, he, he does fear the rocking chair mm-hmm. and they've made some very, uh, visual moments of it. He already feels like he's being left behind. He, he's being obsoleted, if you will, in the modern world, which is also another uh, familiar setting for a, uh, a Western is that what was is no more and modern society is taking over and the old ways are going away. And I think that he definitely feels that way as well. Yeah, yeah maybe it's yeah. kind of you the get, whole idea of the Western. You know, Normally it's the, the demise of the frontier. He is representative of the demise of the old school. Yeah, I suppose. So it's one way of looking at it. So his, his partner, Alberto... Mm-hmm. Gil, I loved him. I thought he was yeah, great. He was a, a great character. Uh, Gil Birmingham. Did you rec- you know where else we know him from? Yeah, is he the dad in Wind River, or he, is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He he he's the dad that you know. How did he go out? Yeah, with a whimper. Yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. a great actor. And that that whole thing uh, again saw it coming. Uh, that relationship was. Great. I saw it coming a mile away, and I didn't know, see that. Oh, I, I, did. I honestly, I did, I did not, not see either. It. I did. I, ex- you know, I expected they, it. They built it up so much that I felt like Jeff Bridges was character was going to go out in a blaze of glory and then just over quick. So we we'll get to that later on in our in our description. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it was just so quick. Yeah. I expected something a little bit more. Speaking of description, in West Texas, divorced father Toby Howard and his ex-con older brother Tanner carry out early morning robberies of two branches of the Texas Midlands Bank. Though the robberies are well-planned, Tanner's wild nature leads him to take unnecessary risks, frustrating Toby. Back on the family ranch, they bury their getaway car in a pit with a backhoe. The brother's mother has died after a long illness, leaving their ranch in debt because of a reverse mortgage provided by the Texas Midlands Bank. If the debt is not paid off in a few days, the ranch will be foreclosed. Oil has been discovered on their land, and Toby is determined to ensure a comfortable life for his estranged sons. They rob Texas Midlands as a form of frontier justice. Personally, I liked how this opened up with a bank robbery. We didn't need all the character development and everything else and telling us the plot line and giving us the story. We got that from the first couple of robberies. Exactly who they were, who the smart guy was, who the the wild one was. You got all your character development just from the bank robberies. Yeah, kind of. You don't really need that much character development with Ben Foster's character, Tanner, mm-hmm. the ex-con. Uh, he played it great, and that's how you would expect an ex-con to play, I guess, in this in this particular instance. I feel like I've seen this opening before. I feel like I've seen these characters before, but what makes them different than before 
was uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster. I think they had uh, great chemistry together. I really like Chris Pine as an actor. Mm-hmm. So um, I was excited to get into this. I liked how it wasn't a paint by number bank robbery. I liked that they got up and they changed it up, right? They just wanted the loose cash, nothing big, in and out and go. And they weren't going after the people who were in the bank. They weren't robbing the people who were just depositing their money. Like, you know, that old man with the gun, they just kind of said, you know, he says, you're going to steal my gun. No, we're not going to steal. We're not stealing anything from you. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that was just a nice turn. Yeah, it's so noble yeah. holding people at gunpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody in Texas has a gun. So. Well, I know I, you pack an old timer. Damn right. <laughs> that, that was great. Huh. And I, and then you know, just and leaves it on the counter. I know, I up. know. And then I, cause as soon as you put it on the counter, I was thinking to myself, dude, he's from Texas. He's going to turn around and start shooting at you guys as soon as he leaves and sure shit it happens. But it, it was pretty funny. Uh, what'd you think of the opening scene there, sir? Loved it. Oh my gosh. We get this opening shot, this tracking shot of the Camaro coming down the street. As the Camaro comes down the street, we follow the Camaro and then we get a close-up shot of the uh, the bank teller, the, the gal, having her cigarette. And then the camera continues to move and we continue to follow the Camaro. Okay, so the story is with the Camaro still. And it's kind of menacing now because nothing's being spoken. But for some reason, we are tracking this Camaro. As the Camaro goes out of sight, now we're back on the bank teller and she's finishing up her cigarette. And then the camera moves to the left watching her. And then we have those three crosses on the building across the street. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just feel like that it's, it's saying that, you know, this is good, these are good people, or something like that. But no, it doesn't feel like good people. And then all of a sudden, boom, now the robbers are there, and then they take her into the bank. Second shot. Now we're inside the bank, and the camera tracks the entire time on her as they are trying to get the money from her. And that little bit of comedic moment, you know, you all are kind of new at this, aren't you? Yeah. They are clearly unrefined in doing this. And the camera doesn't stop. We don't get another cut until she is forced to the ground. She goes to sit in the chair, and then she's forced to the ground. So we've only had two shots so far. And then the next shot is of the bank manager getting there. And then from there, he comes in, and then he's struck down. And then the next shot right after that, right after he's struck down, we don't see any of the money. Now we're in the car, and it's a tracking shot on the car. And I love the tracking shot on the car because as we are following along with the car, all of a sudden, boom, now we're right up alongside, right at the window, and we're going down the street, and we get to hear their dialogue. And that dialogue is great to talk about, you know, the, the nervous kinetic energy that they have on what's just happened. And then we get the panning shot of here comes the police cars. No, you're going too fast. I'm not speeding. I love this opening scene. It shows it in just a couple of shots. Very, very well done. Uh, I can see why this was nominated for best editing. Uh, that bit where they're the way they're driving, uh, the speed that they're going, and and just the intercut with the cops and them, cops and them, and then the, the occasional slow down. I'm not speaking. Yeah, that was a good bit. I and, like that. And you didn't have to hit them. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and that shows you. Uh, that Chris Pine's character doesn't want to hurt nobody. Doesn't he? He just wants. He just wants right. what the bank. Right. We see. Has. We see the terror in his eyes when we're not sure what's going to happen to the lady when he's yelling at her to sit down. I, I really appreciated Chris Pine 
a lot in this movie. I I think it's great that Jeff Bridges got a, uh, a an Oscar nod towards this, but Chris Pine he delivered in spades on this movie. And oh I yeah, I think I read he filmed all of his parts in two and a half weeks because he was making Star Trek at the time. So yeah, no time to waste, and that is just amazing. You know, considering how much he's on screen, and they did all that. Man, that is that is some really brisk. That is efficient filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two Texas Rangers, Marcus Hamilton and Alberto Parker, are on the case. Hamilton, who is close to retirement, investigates the robberies and quickly determines the brothers' method and personalities. Meanwhile, Tanner robs another bank while Toby unknowingly waits at a nearby diner, conversing with a waitress. They take the stolen money to an Indian casino in Oklahoma to be laundered. Toby has the casino convert their gambling winnings into a check made out to the Texas Midlands Bank. With untraceable funds and gambling as a cover for how they were acquired, the brothers head back to Texas. I thought this, the the way they laundered the money was a clever scheme. Oh my God, I thought that was brilliant. Totally. And the fact that it's small bills. Yeah. And and it just goes again to show you know a little bit more building on Chris Pine's character, Toby, in that he goes and he cash you know he gets the chips he basically says you know I just sold my car gets the chips and goes and sits down he refuses to gamble he refuses to risk any of that money because his kids are that important to him and I love when he's walking that him and his brother are walking through the casino he's holding all those chips and his brother's like here give me some money and he just starts <laughs> taking it and when they go to cash in uh, he says something like get some money for Debbie which is getting some walking around Monday money so he does that which no, I thought was pretty no funny. that's alimoning. Does he say alimony? No, but that's what that's for. He does say that because he, he owes a lot of back alimony. Oh, is his ex-wife named Debbie? Yeah. Oh, well, then that's probably why he called it Debbie money. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Oh, I, I didn't pick up on that. To my defense, I watched it on my phone on a plane. So there you go. Fuck that guy. So I really enjoyed the intro that we get for our two Texas Rangers, Marcus and Alberto. I thought that they were a lot of fun to watch together. And uh, the writing in this movie, there are definitely some very rich lines that our characters are um, delivering in in this movie. And I, I really enjoyed the banter that we get to see that happens between Marcus and Alberto. One of the things I liked is a lot of times you get these movies with the police coming in to investigate and the older cop jumps to all these conclusions that he just he knows everything about the, the burglars, the bank robbers. And you're thinking, how did he get there? How did he? But with Jeff Bridges' character, you know, the assumptions he makes seem obvious based off of what you know what he comes up with. Well, he's he comes across as very shrewd. Mm-hmm. He, he's seasoned. Who uh, Jeff Bridges' character? Yeah, yeah, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, yeah, uh, very uh, seasoned. And I just it he works. I mean, it just his character you, kind of just makes sense. He works because um, Jeff Bridges is jeff bridges yeah. really uh to me when when going into this he looked just like another sheriff or marshal or a texas ranger uh his partner looked just like another texas ranger uh to me but uh the difference was that because jeff bridges brings so much to his character when he's sitting on the porch or when he uh and when he's in his room drinking the beer, trying to talk to Alberto, but Alberto just wants to go to sleep. You can, it's there where I can, you can really see that he doesn't want to be alone. He's afraid of being alone. I mean, he wants to sit there and I thought they were sharing rooms. 
And then I thought that at first too. And then Alberto goes, well, you could go to your own room. And so that tells you, oh, he came over to chat, but Alberto obviously wants to go to sleep. And so he lands up sleeping on the porch, you know, and that Jeff Bridges just brought a lot to that character. So yeah, even though I did see it being just another Texas Ranger or blah, 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 it's when it's Jeff Bridges, there's a little something extra there, you know? And did you get the feeling that, you know, with Jeff Bridges, you know, on his way out that, He's trying to break Alberto in. No, I feel the like- comments that he made to him, and he kept making comments. You know, you know, these are the things you're gonna miss. Well, okay, but well, what, what do you mean breaking in? Just, just trying to say, okay, this is the kind of banter that you need to have with your partner. This is the kind of relationship you'll want to have with a partner. No, I didn't get that at all. You didn't get that? Uh-uh. No. Okay, no, but but I felt like that. So, like for example, Alberto, he was content to go with the tweakers. You know. Uh, trajectory maybe these guys are just tweakers but uh, marcus was less than committed with that idea and he kept putting up you know little nuggets that kind of it no it's probably not tweakers and so i i feel like that where you're coming from is when they talk about the shirts at the beginning why are you always dressing like i am i'm not yes you are no there's three shirts that i'm able to wear well then why are you always dressing like me well, he says it's, it's the uniform. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's why Jeff Bridges. That's why. Mm-hmm. Now, what we also get now uh, during this moment of the story, right after we get our intro of our Rangers, is we get a little bit more about Tanner and Toby, and we get to understand a little bit more of why these broken characters, why these brothers are where they are at in that, Mother passed away recently, and mother, apparently, she was no gem, and Tanner stayed away, and he felt like mother never loved him. And we get to see that life was really hard at this home. Because life was so hard, the rest of, I mean, look how Tanner turned out. He's been out of jail for, what, a year? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, they even, uh, him and Chris Pine even get into it, and he says, uh, Tanner says something about the house looking shitty or something mm-hmm. and he goes well well you were in jail <laughs> not mm-hmm. here i had to take care of everything I, I, right? I gotta say, oh and then they pan out and then that bed is empty right? yeah the hospital yeah. bed so yeah. you, now you know that yeah. but they, they also bring up that toby wasn't a great guy either you know that he wasn't the greatest father in the world and that's why he wants to help out his kids now Right. Well, but yeah, it's probably because of his influence of whatever his father was, if he wasn't even in the picture. And they talk about that a little bit later. The dad's yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah, so he wasn't a good role model. So Toby turned out to not be a great father, and that's obviously why he's divorced. Yeah. I like when he goes to see his kid, and and, 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 it's, and it's Tanner who pushes him, right? He goes, because you haven't seen your kids in how long? He goes, it's not that far of a drive. So he goes out there, and I love that bit. And I thought this was a, a bit of great writing, is when Chris Pine is talking to his kid, and he says, you're going to hear a lot of stuff about me in the next couple of days in the news or from people or whatever. And the kid automatically goes, don't believe him? He says, no, believe every bit. Believe every bit and don't be like me. And don't be like yeah, me. Be that, better. That was strong writing. Mm-hmm. And I love the kid's reaction, too, because he hands them a beer, which apparently is legal in Texas. Did you know that? In some situations, it is legal for minors to drink alcohol. If they're given it by a parent in a home, they are allowed to drink the alcohol. Now, the interesting thing is, I love the the dialogue in that he hands them the beer, then he asks the kid, why aren't you drinking? Because you told me not to be like you. He says, good answer. So, yeah, that was a a good scene. So, you know, also, when we're back at home, 
Tanner and Toby, we get to see, you know, how dilapidated and broken down the home is. Everything just looks tired and old. And they look tired and old. I mean, they they fit right in with the backdrop of the house and everything around it. That mm-hmm. you know, that they look they look storm weary. You know, they, they have been weathered through a lot of harsh living. The word that comes to mind is haggard. Mm-hmm. Just haggard and broken down. Mine is Podunk. Podunk. Podunk, Texas. That's where they're from. Yeah, these guys these guys have had it rough and they got completely screwed. So and, and then we got to see some more gorgeous camera work. I I really appreciated the cinematography that is continuing to show the landscape. And, you know, numerous times we get to look at the cars, you know, that they're driving. It's a little speck on a little road Mm -hmm. in a vast wasteland, you know, where it's just deserted. It's the sprawling wastelands of nothing and just gorgeous camera work. And then typically they had the cello playing. The cello playing happened a lot throughout this movie. Just the somber and, and, and the sadness that you can feel and the loneliness that these characters are embodying. Not only did they have uh, a lot of cello, but they had a lot of country music. Oh yeah, in a which western, sucked. God, this soundtrack was horrible. Every time a country, I thought every time a country song came on, I'm thinking, great, another fucking country music video. I just think the music, those music choices were dumb. Those shots, though, the vast open. I was thinking, uh, wow, that's really good drone work because it was. They were really nice shots. Absolutely, for mm-hmm. sure. Very pretty. And, you know, the uh, the cinematography was nice. Let's talk about that scene for a second where Marcus and Alberto are driving somewhere and then they have that cattle in front of them because there's a fire. I thought that was the most pointless scene ever. What was the point of that scene? Anybody? The only thing I got out of that scene was just, again, to drive home the nail to our head that the cowboy life is a rough life. Do you have any idea? Yeah. Did it, did it go? Hit me. I think that that scene is in there to show us that, okay, aside from the bank robberies, everybody is on their own and there is no help available and you are left to your own devices to make the best of your situation as the best as you are able to. They didn't want to call it, why call it it? Nah, it's going to burn itself out. So a fire that's going to burn itself out, no big deal, except for the cowboy who's going to lose his herd unless they get that fence cut to get the herd through to safety. Hey, Professor, who was that cowboy? That cowboy was the writer of the movie, Taylor Sheridan. Which is why you have that scene. Go on, finish. So I I think that it was just to show the audience that people have nothing but themselves to rely upon. Let's go back, actually, to another scene. Let's go back to the casino when Tanner is playing poker. And he uh, makes a comment, I believe, towards the Native American sitting at the end of the table. Oh, Comanche. The Comanche. And I loved I loved kind of that interaction of when Tanner stands up and starts to walk away and the Native American gentleman stands up and he goes, do you know what Comanche means? Mm-hmm. And was it enemy to all? Enemies. And he says, who's enemy? And he says, everyone's. And he goes, then I guess I'm a Comanche. I thought that was just, I, I liked that dialogue as well. So I liked the guy who he was going up against. I thought he would, I thought he was going to kick his ass or they were going to get in a yeah. fight or, mm. or maybe they had no, or maybe they knew each other or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that Tanner was just poking at him. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, 
Because what is he? Oh, he says, don't bluff me or, or don't call my bluff or something like that. And so immediately that dude takes offense. Mm-hmm. And so, well, he's you know, some, I forget what racist term he used, but he made some comment. I think he him. calls him chief. Chief. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't chase me, chief. Don't That's chase what he says. Because yeah. they're playing hold mm-hmm. So we also get the trip to and from, you know, I was talking about the, the cinematography, but we're also getting another thing that continues to be an underlying current throughout the movie that we are able to look at the general economic decline that is happening in, uh, in uh, their neighborhoods and in their societies, you have these deserted strip malls. You have these uh, bank foreclosure signs. You have uh, all of these quick money, need a loan, all of these things that all show the corporate exploitation and the the bleed them dry sort of greed of the big business that we are seeing that happens specifically through Texas Midland Bank. We also get a bank scene that kind of reveals how the mother was taking advantage at a high interest rate because the bank wants to seize that land. So they have to get all the money together and to the bank in time because that bank is going to sign off on that land as quick as they can. And they yeah, did they, they, and they did nothing illegal. The bank did nothing illegal. They just took advantage through shrewdness. Yeah. They mm-hmm. they big business did. Yeah. Big corporation. They basically did, gave her a loan that they gave her a loan that they knew she could never pay off. Yeah, which happens everywhere. Yeah, so with, with one of those reverse everyone. mortgages. I've I know yeah. some people who've gotten caught in those reverse mortgages and sometimes it's good. Sometimes reverse mortgages help older people because basically they're just giving you the value of your home of what you have left that you've already or the equity that you've already paid into it. They're giving it to and you don't have to pay it back. You can basically just let when you pass away, you can let the bank seize your house. Um, so I know people who, who basically had helped them in their older days, but at the high interest rates, your family, you know, who's maybe dependent or thinking that they're going to get the house, they have no hope of paying back what you got from the bank. Right. So the bank takes it. The bank takes the house. And so yeah. there's a hint going on that the bank knows that there's oil on this land. Sure. And that's why they went after her with the high interest rates, knowing that she would not be able to pay it back. Yeah. And it helped that they had an insider at Texas Midland helping them out. Mm-hmm. And I liked that when Tanner asked him, he said, why are you doing this? Right. Because Tanner is, has his brother's best interest at heart. And so, uh, you know, the fact that the guy just said, well, cause I'm tired of seeing the bank screw everybody. You know, that's, that was a nice change of pace too. That's a kind of a running three theme through the movie. Did you notice two, the guys in the diner who were sitting at the window made a similar comment about, you know, the bank screwing yeah. people. Yeah, you, and uh, they're also later on refused to identify the guys in the diner. Right. And in and, and this point in the movie, yes, we, we get that one with the old timers talking about, you know, how the bank has screwed them. And then we get it secondfold with the waitress. The waitress, she is desperate for that money because she needs that money for her childcare and for her rent. And mm-hmm. this further galvanizes the point. Times are tough and people are desperate. Yeah. That the, the, uh, the $200 tip that that waitress gets, she mentions, this is going to pay off my rent. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're absolutely right. And so she too refuses to identify them later. Yeah. But she got her money taken. Yeah. But they can only hold it, I think for a certain amount of time and then they have to give it back to her. So mm, it's Texas. It's evidence. It's uh they can tie it up. It, it's, it's Texas. It's frontier yeah. justice. It's I love how they, how I, we didn't even see it. And he left her a $200 tip. 
Yeah. That was, yeah, that was a good scene. That was a smart move. So I also, at this time, noticed during the diner that we are always hearing Tanner mention Toby as little brother. It's never by name. He is always little brother. And I really like that that one line that he gives him about, um, he, he says, I never met nobody who got away with anything ever. You? then why in the hell you agree to do it? Because you asked, little brother. Did you get the impression that Tanner knew he was living his life minute by minute? Like it was all coming to a conclusion? I got the impression that he he was accepting the hand that he was going to be dealt based on the game that he was playing. Yeah. <clears throat> Just because of his actions. And it, it's kind of like uh, when he says, because you asked, little brother. Right, he knew that after he heard uh, Toby's plan and how were they going to carry it out, he kind of came up with the idea of, well, there's only one way you're going to be able to walk away from this, and it's going to be that way. And the way it turned out, I'm sure he was fully prepared for. It. I mean, obviously he was because he took the equipment, but yeah, I, I he was the ex-con character. Well, later on in Tanner's like last scenes with his brother. Doesn't he make a comment of this is the way it was always going to be? Something along those lines? I don't know. That would have been too poetic, maybe. Mm. I just fig- I figured know. he was like, oh, this was always part of the plan. Something like that. I thought he said something similar. Hamilton stakes out another branch of the Texas Midlands Bank to no avail. During that time, Hamilton playfully makes fun of his partners, half Mexican and half Indian heritage. Parker retorts with jokes about Hamilton's age. Hamilton figures as a pattern to the bank robberies and determines the next target. Hamilton and Parker are en route to the bank when the final robbery occurs. Pressed for time, the brothers proceed with the heist, though the bank is crowded. A shootout ensues when a security guard and an armed civilian fire at the brothers and Tanner kills both. Toby is shot in the abdomen as they are ambushed by waiting posse and armed townspeople outside the bank. So they so they do their impetuous third heist. They bury the car, and uh, I feel like we get to know uh, Marcus and Alberto a little bit better when Alberto is talking about his perspective of his loss and his native and the Native Americans and their loss from the white man. And now the white man is losing again through the corporations gobbling people and things up. And I thought that was another jab, an- another take at you have this cause that we are beginning to see the boys, Toby and Tanner, on is maybe it's not as black and white as what we might think it is. And then and then we get to see Tanner's place and then he grabs all those guns and it's like, man, what the hell are you doing? With yeah, all those he's guns? gearing up for something. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And so with that, 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 that's the first sign that Tanner has a contingency plan. I don't think that's part of the plan because Toby wants nothing to do with the guns. Right. And so, okay. Which means that Tanner has already steeled himself for what could be his fate. Yeah. Yeah. And, and smartly he keeps it from Toby because Toby, Toby is under the impression that the plan is going to go differently. Him, he's under. I, I bet he, That's him and I Tanner had talked, and they come yeah. up with something. And well, they're like, yeah, yeah, he knows what goes. He figured they were going to stick with the smaller banks. He didn't think they were going to do this big bank. He, in fact, he was very much against it. 
Yeah, but they went in and they got it done. And I thought it was funny when they got, well, maybe not funny, but when they did rob this bank and then they got outside and all, everybody on the street started well, pulling out their guns and shooting. So Texas, <laughs> look at all these vigilantes. Yeah. When I saw that scene, I kept thinking, moral of the story, don't rob a bank in Texas. Yeah, well, again, it's frontier justice. Yeah. Just everybody, oh. even in the bank, the girl texts them outside and tells them he, they're coming out. Yeah. The the bank that Tanner robs by himself, there's a delightful line that is given by uh, 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 Marcus, which I just loved. It, it was, uh, you know, he, he's talking to the gal and then uh, he, he says, now that looks like a man who can foreclose on a house. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Bank Manager. Yeah. What, going back to another scene too, the uh, gas station. Where the guy pulls up in a little... Oh, my gosh. Rod. Toby kicks his oh ass. Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. And you knew... I thought he, I thought Tanner was asleep in the car. I didn't think he was looking funny at the guy. And the guy no, was he like, was who are you looking at? Who are you looking at? He was totally looking at him. Was he? Oh, fucking for sure. And why wouldn't you? That dude was the biggest douchebag on the planet. Now, did Tanner say to him that there, you know, there's, there's 10, 10 of him? Me? Yeah. And then you see Chris Pine exit the store and you know what's going to happen. But I didn't think... I didn't see chris pine being as savage as uh, as he was i thought that dude was going to pull a gun and then the other gun was going to come into frame That's to his head and say yeah. but no it's his fucking fist and he proceeds to beat the shit out of this guy and then i love that he walks over to the other dude i love that the line. door and he's all he had it coming that okay you know what that's my favorite scene in the movie um i gotta say of fight scenes i've seen in the movie that one looked and sounded the most realistic, I think, oh, yeah. any fights. Ever. For sure. It sounded like Chris Pine was beating the hell out of him. Yeah, yeah. It was a great scene. Yeah, that's, Very, my, that's my favorite scene. And his brother just doesn't even flinch. Yeah, because he knows. That's the, that's the relationship those two brothers have. Right or wrong, that's brotherly love. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and, I, and at first I was thinking, was that scene really needed in this movie? But then, yeah. Yeah, it really still set up, like you're just saying, it showed the bond between the brothers and how they both have each other's backs. Yeah, I got to stop playing that game. Was this scene really needed? Because it'll destroy movies for me left and right. No, I thought this scene was very much needed, Mm -hmm. for sure. Because up until then, we hadn't seen that dark side from Chris Pine. Mm Mm-mm. And and the savage, savage nature of how he will be, you know, have his brother's back. Right. Yeah. Family. The brothers race out of town with the local posse in pursuit. After gaining some distance, Tanner stops and fires an automatic rifle, forcing the posse to retreat. The brothers split. Toby takes the money using another vehicle, while Tanner creates a diversion. He draws the lawmen off the trail to a desert mountain ridge where he takes hot shots at the police with a hunting rifle, killing Parker. Hamilton uses a local resident and posse member's knowledge of the area to circle behind Tanner. He gets into a shooting position behind Tanner and fatally shoots him with the posse's member's rifle. During the standoff, Toby conceals his wound, passing through a police checkpoint without incident and launders the stolen cash at the casino, where he sees the news reports of his brother's death. He takes the casino's check to the bank just in time to avoid the ranch's foreclosure and deeds the ranch in a family trust. I'd like to talk about a couple of little scenes that aren't uh, significant per se, but I feel that they help convey these uh, characters that we care about, Tanner, Toby, Marcus, and Alberto. Uh, The night that uh, Marcus and Alberto have when uh, 
Marco, uh, Marcus talks about, uh, you know what, Alberto, you know, in a year's time, you look back, right. You know, that whole little speech and then, and, and then, uh, we get Alberto, you know, he says, you know, um, it's what you laugh about when you stand over my grave, when you wish me well. And then, you know, you have Alberto saying, God, I hope that's tomorrow. Yeah. I, the friendly banter that they have going back and forth really drives home the point that these two guys, that, that they're buddies mm-hmm. because they can tease each other. You know, that, that, that other little bit, um, what does he say? He's, he does a Mexican joke and he says, well, you know, it's going to be a while before I get through the Indian insults, but it's going to be a while, Yeah, you know? And the way that they poke back and forth at each other, we feel just as much for these two guys as we do for Tanner and Toby. And I really feel like that because of this, they aren't, antagonists of the movie I, I feel like that these are both of these characters that are working not necessarily against each other certainly the lawman you know the, the texas rangers are but we definitely feel strongly for all four of these characters in sure. a good way and i really appreciate how that was written in for the story the other thing that i wanted to bring up is how the uh, the attorney helps out and finally shows us completely what this bank robbery bit is all about. It's to get enough money to pay off the loan and the interest against the bank. And then the, you know, the savagery of using their own money to pay off that loan and to have the property and put into a trust and it becomes ironclad. And the attorney, you know, he knows about this, you know, he, he says, you know, if that ain't Texas, I don't know what is. Mm. You know, he knows what the boys are up to, and, you know, he's for it. And he even suggests that you need to make the bank, you know, the trust. The bank needs to represent them for the trust, so it's ironclad, and nobody can get at it. And I, 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 I just love that. And then one last little bit, the T-Bone Cafe. God bless America, the waitress. <laughs> what don't you want? Yeah. God, that was one of the most delightful moments in the in the movie. It, it it is just such smart writing, and it's funny because she says we serve our T bones medium rare, and Alberto goes, "Well, can I get?" And she goes, "It wasn't a question." I laugh because when I travel, I have dinner with my buddy uh, Bill, and every time he orders a steak, it's always medium well, and every time he orders a steak. I usually take off my shoe and say, here, dude, just eat this. Same thing. So I thought it was brilliant that in uh, in Texas, everything is medium rare. I liked in this scene that, you know, here you got these two Texas Rangers going into a cafe. And they, you know, they're, they're important people. They're kind of badasses. They know what they're doing. And, you know, they got their own little egos going. And she just puts them down like meek mice. Well, she's been at it for 44 years. Yeah. You know, I've been working here for 44 years. Ain't nobody ever ordered nothing but a T-bone steak and baked potato. Except this one asshole from New York tried to order trout back in 1987. We don't sell no goddamn trout. T-bone steaks. So either you don't want the corn on the cobs or you don't want the green beans. So what don't you want? And then he goes out later and he's like, the rattlesnake in the cafe... Love, love that moment. Yeah. So that, that just kind of, again, gives you a glimpse into small town, been beaten down, just doesn't give a fuck anymore. 
you know, I, I, I mean, the whole movie is set that way. Mm-hmm. So every location, every place you go, you're going to get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, the tone is very dreary. Yeah. And, and obviously it was supposed to be. Did you get the impression of the cafe? Remind Well, at least it reminded me of a of typical westerns back in you know the early 1900s whatever saloon operator when someone comes in and says you know i'd like some fancy drink we just have this whiskey that's all you're going to get is this whiskey and i kind of got the impression that she was the old saloon operator well she could have been old and or she could have been there she mm. was old enough but mm. i just that's the feeling i got from the writing of putting her in so this last bank robbery well first they the post bank robbery well before that they go to that other place but they closed it down it's busier than normal they go in and at this point because it's busier than normal and it's texas and because they kind of already shown us in the earlier bank robber that the old man had a gun you knew every one of those dudes in there was packing so at this point i'm thinking okay someone's going to die this is your heat ending this is your you know going out in a blaze of glory ending and in a in a way it was uh it was smartly uh done a different way which i appreciated uh but it, it all kind of played out the way i thought it was going to play out i knew some joe texas was going to try and be a hero and he gets shot and and i knew pine was going to get shot because someone one of the bank robbers always gets shot when they leave the bank and probably rightfully so i mean it's what they're fucking robbing a bank did you catch the almost like showing the intelligence of tanner or showing that he knew what he was doing in that he stops Chris Pine from going to the other bank because he knows we're not going to get enough money from that other bank. Oh yeah. No, he knew. He says, we got to hit this bigger one and then you're done. Yeah. So I thought that was clever. You know, if they're going to do it in time, Tanner knew exactly what to do. Oh yeah. And I think Tanner knew because of his past and because he just got out of prison a year ago. Uh, He did. He did know. He, Chris Pine was the mastermind. Tanner knew how to pull it off Mm -hmm. and they did. Right. So and that was why it was always good to hit those banks first thing in the morning. Yep. Nobody in the lobbies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. We also yep. stuck with the small ones with just one teller, not two tellers. Was it this one had three? Something like that. Yeah, it was just a much bigger bank. So, yep. yeah. So, and they're uh, racing against the deadline. Yeah. Toby was crowd control and Tanner was the gunman. I so. thought, and I, I missed it, I thought Toby had killed the guard or killed one of them, but it looks yeah. like Tanner killed them all. Yeah, Tanner. Tanner killed everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he knew what it took yes. to get it yes. to get it done. And, and he didn't want his little brother to have to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, so they get away, then they switch cars. Oh, and good. I knew at this point this was this was kind this was a good this was a good moment between the two brothers because Tanner knew the only way he, uh, Toby was gonna get away with this and and make everything okay for his family was he had to go he had to be the diversion. He had to get all eyes on him, and then, you know, he went up and started shooting at the cops, and when he kills Alberto, it's so sudden and so quick that Jeff Bridges' character only has a moment to react. He has that moment of absolute grief, and then he's got to get right back into the game because you still got a shooter on the the thing. But, I mean, yeah. I knew that, obviously, one of them was going to get shot or something was going to happen, but to be so quick and just mid-sentence, like he was having a conversation and boom. Yeah. Just right in the face. Yeah. I like when movies do that. Me just, too. Uh, they did a lot in Saving Private Ryan. It's the first thing that pops into my head. Jarring. But yeah, you know, just people talking, talking, then boom, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. 
So because it goes like that in yeah, real life. Exactly. I honestly exactly. thought Tanner was just going to keep taking pot shots and try to hold them off. I didn't see him killing any cops. Well, that's the only way it was going to work. Yeah. Um, but even before that, what do you think of the scene when the posse's chasing them, shooting at them, and Tanner gets out with the semi-automatic rifle and just scares i guess that's the only way to scare off a bunch of guys with guns i guess so i thought he was pretty ballsy just walking down the middle of the road shooting his automatic gun no shit he had some nice weaponry jesus yeah yeah but that that was pretty good i was thinking how are they gonna get the posse off their tail oh hold on for a second let me pull over and pull out my automatic he had a plan for that too of course he did yeah the, the the diversion had to be that's what tanner was prepared to do if that's what needed to be done. And you could tell because after they say their goodbyes, you can kind of tell that Tanner is saying goodbye. I think they both know that this, this could be goodbye. Yeah. And and they're saying their goodbyes. Yeah. And after they leave, what's Tanner doing? He's just singing and his singing doesn't change as soon as he's confronted by the police officers and he whips down the road. He doesn't even try to drive by him. He's, he jackrabbits, and he still continues to sing. It's like, okay, this is how he saw it going down. Yeah, he's going out with him in a blaze of glory. Mm-hmm. He's doing it for his family. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got and the, plus, I mean, he's a criminal. Well, I got the impression that, you know, he kind of said it, it was kind of said earlier that he wasn't there when they needed him. Now he was going to be there for his brother. So Tanner has them pinned down. Uh, he's firing from uh, on the mountain, and I thought... Uh, it was really smart of uh, the Texas Ranger to use help of the locals to get behind him. And so there's yeah. that bit. He tracks him. He sees him. And he says, uh, the local says, do you want me to take the shot? You look like you're having trouble there. And Jeff Bridges is like, fuck you. I'll do it. <laughs> Takes the shot. Biggie bang. Tanner's down. And in the meantime, Toby slips through the police checkpoint. And slipping through the police checkpoint makes it to the casino. We hear about Tanner on the news. Toby's not that surprised. No, he knew. But still, it was hard for him to hear. Absolutely. You could see the heartbreak in him. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, through all of that, you know, you get that cello, you get the cello playing again, you know, when after he gets through the police checkpoint, you know, he's tending to his wound and and, uh, Marcus is disposing of Tanner and then Toby hearing of Tanner's death at the casino, you know, the cello playing plays through all of that. I, I just, I, I really uh, dug, you know, the, the mood that is conveyed and the somberness of the story. And then he gets to the bank. I uh, enjoyed the satisfaction that uh, Toby has in talking to the bank manager and, uh, having the the uh the loan paid in full and now it'll be friday no you're gonna no i want it right now well it's gonna take some time i got all day yeah and all too quickly you know that 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 loan officer or whoever he is he you can tell he knows he's a piece of shit yeah and i really uh feel like that that really drove home the point that the bank being screwed with their own money don't feel that bad about it. Unfortunately, people died because of that. And the boys did break the law in robbing banks, which is never, never, you know, a good way to solve things. But 
you know, as the story has shown time and again, people are desperate and their desperation gave them an opportunity to make themselves push harder than they wanted to push themselves in the hopes that they can break that cycle that is talked about at the end of the movie. I I really, I really appreciated, um, you know, the fact that the bank just never ever is shown in a favorable light right throughout this movie and what's funny is probably the bank probably is not even dropping the hat for the fucking bank Mm. you bring up the point that desperation desperation has pushed them to do what they're doing part of me says well yeah they're desperate for money they could have found other ways to get money vengeance push them to rob these specific banks they want retribution they want to get the money back that they're that was stolen from their mom you know the house and everything they want to get that back so it's not even desperation that makes them target these banks it's they stole our money they're stealing from us we're taking it back it's that yeah. texas justice yeah, yeah. so it's frontier, frontier justice. justice exactly mm-hmm. yep exactly but i do love that you know tanner is the thinker he's the planner he's the guy that's got the intelligence not only does he get the check to him and watches the guy fax it in and make sure that they're not going to pull anything sneaky but at the very end he remembers to say hey do you guys manage trust yeah as he's leaving and puts them in charge which comes back later to reveal that's why the bank didn't press any charges because they're now getting money for managing the trust Pressing, who would have they have pressed charges against? They would have gone after they when they were taught when uh, well, Marcus is talking to the other police officer, the other ranger, and says, "Well, isn't you know they're, he's, she's going through all the people, all the reasons why they didn't press charges against Toby?" Said even the bank refused to press charges and go after Toby. What it came down to was the bank refused to cooperate. Refused not to cooperate. They, not yeah. that they were pressing charges, but they wouldn't cooperate with the rangers. Yeah, because they're getting money from the trust. So why go after somebody who's basically now paying for Mm $42,000? After retirement, Hamilton visits his former office to learn that the Rangers have cleared Toby as a suspect. As his record is clean and he has no motive to steal since the new oil wells earn more in a month than the total stolen in all of the robberies. The money from the ranch's oil wells is deposited at the Texas Midlands Bank which refuses to cooperate with the investigation of fear of losing management of the family's trust fund. Hamilton visits Toby's ranch. Although they stay civil, Hamilton states that he knows Toby masterminded and took part in the robberies, but wishes to know the reason. Toby says he has resolved not to let poverty affect his sons like it affected him and Tanner. Hamilton tells Toby he holds him responsible for the death of his partner. The tense moment is interrupted when Toby's ex-wife and children arrive. The ranch belongs to the trust and thus to them. Toby is only there to visit and fix up the house. As Hamilton departs, Toby suggests they meet again soon to finish the conversation and bring you some peace. Hamilton says he would love to meet again and maybe he will bring some peace to Toby. Hamilton leaves without giving Toby any absolution. End movie. I dig the uh, the fact that both of these characters are haunted for the rest of their lives with the way this went down, but they are also talking about offering peace in the Texas justice sort of way. Yeah, they're going to have a draw. They're going to basically kill each other. Or try. I don't think Chris Pine would be haunted by any of it. He's he, haunted by the, by the loss of his brother, I think, and that it cost his brother's life to help his... 
I think part of him knew that his brother wasn't going to make it out of this. Mm-hmm. So I think he's at peace with it because he knows that his brother did it for him and his nephews and okay, that family. But, but Toby's character would feel a sense of loss for those two people that were killed in the bank. He yeah. just he just wanted the money that was right that he feels rightfully belongs to his family. But in the process of getting that money back, two people in the bank were shot. No, to nobody death. was supposed to get hurt. Yeah, well, collateral damage. The thing that the thing that <laughs> I don't know that bothers me about this ending, and I understand that the waitress wasn't going to identify Toby, that the old men at the table weren't going to identify him, the bank wasn't going to seek any more investigation, things like that. But now in this day and age. It would have been so easy to tie Toby to the crime, to any of those bank robbers, especially that last one. He was shot. His blood's on the floor. They could have connected his DNA to that bank robbery. He went through the checkpoint that they looked at his driver's license. They knew he was in the area. He had a fake driver's license. I thought he had a real one. Oh, did they say it, a different it, name? It looked like the, he, he looked like he had a couple. Like to pick to, and, yeah. he, and he was even doing this, you know, okay, shuffling so that through I, it. Yeah. That I missed, but I just feel like, you know, for me, the prime suspect in a series of bank robberies, you know that Tanner has, you know, been killed up on the spot. The prime suspect would be the brother. Yeah, there's no evidence. So they just decide not to go after him. He has no alibi, anything, except that he was at the casino. Yeah, well, he won big. Yeah. I found it a little hard fetched to believe that they, you know, just let him go that easy. You know, that's the way that the movie was written and, and the way it had to go. This is Texas. Yeah. That's what I chalk it up to. This is Texas. I kind of got the impression that maybe when you were talking earlier about the scene with the fire and the cattle, and Jeff Bridges basically says, you know, the fire will burn itself out. We don't need to call in. We don't need to deal with this. That maybe that was another one of those at the end of the movie. The other officers were saying, we don't need to deal with this. It's, it's burned itself out. Sure. Well, initially, that's what the boys were counting on. They weren't counting on Texas Rangers. They were counting on locals not knowing what to do with this small-time robbery. You know, they didn't take any of the strapped bills. They only took small amounts. Mm-hmm. And it's quiet, dilapidated tired towns. Nobody was supposed to make a connection. Yeah, Not by not taking the $100 bills. Those would be federally tracked. They could attract those casino yep. back to them. They took those small bills, which again just shows Toby's, you know, brilliance in planning all this. Yeah, that's the great. That was a great way to launder money. Absolutely, because yeah. I've always wondered how do you launder money. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I I even appreciated the fact that I'm sure it was just Toby walking around, sitting at the bar, and you're thinking he probably stayed for about three or four hours just to make it believable. I mean, it's a great alibi. And he laundered the money, and no one would ever question it. Now, there is one thing, though. When you cash in that much money at any casino, you have to fill out tax papers. Only if it's $10,000 or more. They did more than $10,000. His last check was like $30,000, $40,000. No, no. That's what they said they owed at the last Right, no, that's what they said they owed, but I bet you he did it like at $9,000 increments, and they had a bunch of stuff. That's what I think, too, because... Because you're right, it it is. We saw two trips to the casino. Yeah. So it could have been... It could have been a, another casino, but there was definitely more than one trip. So, okay. yeah. I loved the closing camera shot. The closing camera shot is Marcus's car taken off on that long road, and, mm-hmm. he, and he's going off into, you know, the you know the vast emptiness of things. and Riding off into the sunset? And the camera, instead of going up, it goes down. 
into the grass instead of going up. I love the fact that it went down into the grass because I felt like that's where the story was centered around. It was centered around the land. Uh, that scene where uh, Jeff Bridges does confront Chris Pine and, you know, offers him a beer. It's very civil, but then they're just, you know, make your move and let's settle this. And then, you know, the ex wife and the kids come home and then it's revealed that Chris Pine, he, none of it, he got none of it. And he makes it a point to tell Jeff Bridges, you know, this is all theirs now. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, if you want to do this, just me and you, let's go. Mm-hmm. I have a place out here. We can yep. go do that. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought that was, I thought that was pretty neat. I honestly thought the whole time he was leading up to, you know, especially when the lawyers were talking to him and said, you put it in the kid's name, you put it in the trust and it's untouchable. It's ironclad that Chris Pine was also going to go out in a blaze of glory. I thought either he was going to go down for the crime and go to jail or get killed like his brother because they, you know, the police wouldn't be able to touch it because it wasn't his anymore. Right. Yeah. So I got that. I didn't think Chris Pine was going to walk away from this. Oh, I did. Did you? Yeah. I think one of the goes to say kind of the, the brilliance of filmmakers and editing and things like this is that scene with Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges, the only time the two are actually together in the entire movie, that was Chris Pine's last day of filming, and that was actually Jeff Bridges' first day of filming. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's that's because Jeff Bridges is Jeff fucking Bridges. Which just shows right? the magic of filmmaking that you wouldn't have realized, you know, that well, if it was made at that you know middle point of the movie. Well, if you're any good at filmmaking, it should be. Seamless. Yeah. Oh, and, right, so. and did you notice the, the, the subtleness of the homestead? The uh, the propane tank is not the rusty piece of crap that we saw at the yeah. beginning. It's a brand new propane tank. Yeah. And we see that there's an addition being built onto the house. Yeah. So, so he's, he's fixing it up. And then things, and, things and are it, looking up. Right. And then in that closing shot, we pull back and we see more than whatever. One pumps. of the pumps. Yeah, there. they have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you knew that those kids are going to want for nothing. Now, I, I do want to bring up. I think the biggest issue I had with this movie. Was it Western? No. It wasn't Flash Gordon? No. It wasn't Evil Dead 2? No. What was it? I fucking like Mr. Pibb. Oh my God, that was so great. What does he say? Uh, He wanted a a Dr. Pepper. This is Mr. Pibb. What does he say? Only so-and-so drinks... Only, asshole, only assholes drink Mr. Pibb. And I laughed laughed out loud. Okay, but what does he say afterwards? What? Drink up. Drink up. Because you're an asshole. Apparently, from what I've read... Dr. Pepper was invented in Waco, Texas. So they say a lot of Texas are huge fans of Dr. Pepper and hate Mr. Pibb because they see Mr. Pibb as a knockoff. Sure. I can see that. But I like Mr. Pibb. Well, you're not from West Texas or Waco, Texas or wherever the fuck Texas it is. I'm also an asshole. Well, that's very true. Which would explain why I like Mr. Pibb too. So I'm just going to let you know ahead of time that's probably going to knock some points off my rating. Speaking of which, are we ready? I don't know, Mr. Professor, you got anything else? The last thoughts on the movie? Uh, no, I, I have said my piece. He said his piece. The sun has set on the prairie. All right, so let's rate this bitch. John, how do we rate our films? Uh, well, we recently changed our rating system. Our rating system went from, if we were channel surfing, you know, how likely are we to stop on this movie? Our rating system, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Professor. Oh, I will. Oh, I know you will. But our rating system is based off of kind of how rewatchable is the movie you know i've watched it once am i gonna watch it again am i kind of craving to see it again or once was definitely enough for me would you say that's about right professor it's about right uh since this was professor's pick should, do you want to go first or would you like me to go first i can go first 
So I really enjoyed this movie. It made me feel very strongly in how it was put together. The cinematography, beautiful. I enjoyed the drawn out aspect of revealing why these guys are robbing banks. I also really appreciated the character development of the two lawmen that are pursuing these bank robbers. Each one of these four characters, I think, are written very richly, and I feel strongly for all of these characters. And the 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 uh, the story accented with the music, and like I said, you know, of, of the landscape of things and showing the lay of the land, if you will. Really enjoyed it. Uh, the waitress in uh, the T Bone Diner, delightful. The waitress in the diner where Toby leaves, you know, the 200 bucks. I I really enjoyed that little moment with the waitress. I I really felt for her. Really good storytelling. I got to say that for me, this is an easy movie for me to watch again, just because I'm enjoying the, uh, the subtlety of the characters that they don't just leap out and, you know, it's not a story of flamboyance. And I, I think I am... 4.25 4.25 for the professor you want to go you want me to go i'm happy to go all right hit it well you know my feeling on westerns and i'm usually not a big fan of westerns and old school and slow movies and this was kind of a slow movie i gotta say and i was even not looking forward to this one i was kind of putting it off I was really surprised. I really liked it. I would say this is almost going to go down as one of my favorite Westerns out there. In fact, um, I wouldn't say it's the best Western out there because that's in the helmet. What oh really God. what really turned me on to this movie is, and it, I don't know, I've heard the term before called a crossroads Western or crossroads story in which they start out telling two separate stories. You have the story of two brothers and you have the story of, to Texas Rangers. The brothers are trying to right a wrong that they see and save their ranch. The two stories of the Western, you know, of the, the Rangers is one's on his way out and he's trying to pass his wisdom off to the next, you know, the next officer. And he just wants to finish his final case. So, and then their, their roads interact and you end up both of them losing one component of their story. And then their stories merge into a different story. You know, now it's, you know, Marcus versus Toby is now the new story. And I thought that was a clever way to write this. I was really pleasantly surprised. And I'm honestly going to say, I want to see it again. I I do want to rewatch this movie. Um, I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon, but going back to our old rating system, if I was channel surfing, I'm going to stop on this and I'm going to watch the whole movie again. So I'm actually going to give this movie a (laughs) 4.0. Yeehaw! <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, 4.0. You guys are so cute. Okay, my turn. Was it a good movie? Yes. It was well acted. It was well shot. Obviously, it earned some awards, and rightfully so. Uh, but like I said, it was kind of a paint-by-numbers film, and I felt that it was super depressing And I felt that no matter which way you spun this film, I kind of already knew the outcome of at least one of the brothers. And and I assumed it was going to be the ex-con because 
he's the ex-con and that played out the way it did and then the partner getting shot played out the way it did and i just i felt like i've seen this before and and sometimes that takes me out of it that whole country music and i and i know it's a western and i know it takes place in texas and i know they listen to country music but me personally every time a country song came on it just took me out of it a little bit just a little bit as far as rewatchability, eh, i could take it or leave it you know if someone said do you want to watch hell or high water i would probably say what else you got if they said flash gordon then i would say yeah throw me on some hell or high water fucking for sure i felt that the filmmakers uh did a good job they told a good story i don't know it was kind of middle of the road for me so i am going to give it a three which is slightly better than average so ken give us a four or 4.25 i gave it a four and you gave it a three yep so there you have it so this is the time when we now draw our next movie i can't fucking wait so for people who have not been listening to us, if we have any new listeners out there, I think we've actually gained a couple. Uh, we basically picked about, I think it was six genres, and then each of us picked three movies to match the genres, and we threw them all into a Bronco helmet. Why a Bronco helmet? Because it's Don's fucking basement. Whatever. So I picked last time. Who is going to pick this time? Don. Ken, I believe, what, four of your six movies have already been picked? crazy i know all right i'm shaking it up shaking it up i'm reaching in i'm grabbing one what did you get it's our second food film and it is chef i could have predicted that as soon as you said that it's like oh it's not okay it's chef what what is chef i don't think i've ever heard of that movie what come on really that that doesn't surprise me at all that he hasn't heard of it Uh, it Um, makes me think of south park i don't know no uh chef is with john favreau uh, he wrote and directed it. He is a a, 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 renowned, a renowned chef at a restaurant, gets fired, and opens up a food truck. And it's very, uh, I guess that could kind of be a road film too, if you think about it. In a way. But yeah. he's rebuilding himself. Yeah, He's torn down and he rebuilds himself. Is it like a comedy or drama? I guess you're just going to have to wait and see and watch well, the movie. I'd like to know so I can gear myself up for it. Is I'm it a Western? It's a drama. Drama? I can already tell Wait, you're going to no, drag your feet and you no, don't want I mean, no, unless, it's no. you, unless it's your movie, you don't want to watch these things. You, so. were, you were supposed to say it's a food film. Oh, it is a food film. Well, it is a food film. He already said that earlier. It's a good film. I dug it. I dug it a lot. That's why I put it in there. And I think everybody should see it at least once. All right. So I think that is going to wrap it up for us this evening. John, where can they find us? They can find us on our webpage, which is www.3guysinaflick.com. They can find us on Facebook. They can also find us at any of your favorite podcast hosting sites, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple iTunes. We're on them all. All right. And as always, if you have a suggestion for a film, go onto our website, leave us a note, and we will check it out. For Three Guys in a Flick, my name is Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Have a good night. The sun is setting. Here's a food for thought. What's that? Is a zombie movie a food movie? No, it's a zombie film.
But couldn't it also be a food movie? Dude, that's like saying any movie could be a food movie because people have to eat. Well, they're eating that's brains. They're all about the food. I know what they're eating, but my point is everybody eats, so every food... You know what? So the answer is yes. Well, okay. You know what? Fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs>